0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at AllCopyProducts.com.
1: To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown!
0: Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor, to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown!
0: The Cardinals' Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go.
1: One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel?
0: Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and two-time Pro Bowler Lorenzo Alexander. It's not the
2: start. It's the finish. And the Cardinals are learning that lesson the hard way through the first two games leading 20 to nothing at halftime, 28 to 7 with 9:34 to go in the third quarter. And here we are 48 hours later talking about a 31-28 loss to the New York Giants. And yes, the Cardinals are O and 2. Zo, Paul and I tried to explain the difference between the first half and second half on Monday's Cardinals covered two. We could not quite come up with an answer, so we bring you here on Tuesday <laughs> on the Cardinals Red Sea Report before your expert opinion on what happened between the first thirty minutes and the second thirty minutes.
3: Yeah, I wish it was some you know magical answer that you could have, or you know some of this fancy analytical stuff that nobody can see but uh it goes to the old adage or you know cliche you know start fast finish strong and that and that and that really means something I think in the last couple of weeks just not being able to finish strong and that's not necessarily physicality it's about execution right and when you look at the the, from a defensive perspective the tale of two halves is the first half really didn't see any explosion plays and then in the second half you see three or four big Bombs down the field, almost had that one on the sideline. That would have been probably another touchdown that um, 13 dropped. Um, and then we saw Daniel Jones get out and be able to scramble and, and create. And, and you cannot win on defense with those type of explosion plays. I don't care who you are, Dallas Cowboys, the Jets, it doesn't matter. And so when you have a team that's not at that caliber, you have to make sure that you are on your P's and Q's and dotting your I's and playing everything correctly. And this wasn't a surprise to me because uh, when I went back and watched the Washington film, we saw some of their receivers running free. Somehow, just didn't see them, couldn't get in the ball. And this week, Daniel Jones was able to take advantage of it, of some of the miscommunications. Some of them looked like alignment errors. And when you're, you know, fighting, you know, and scratching, you cannot have those mental mistakes that put you out of position of not being able to make a play. And and ultimately, that's what led to the demise and obviously the offense not being able to be consistently scoring and keeping up with that and being able to keep that lead.
4: And week one, you had six sacks and about 600 pressures on Sam Howell, right? So you got to the quarterback quite a bit. And Whereas in this one, especially in the second half, at least to me, watching it, you were so depleted on the defensive line. Jonathan Ledbetter, Kevin Strong, right? right? Those guys got gas, especially in the fourth quarter, played way too many snaps, at least more than was forecast. Jonathan Gannon talked about that. We did his TV show this week. He mentioned the explosive, the chunk plays. right? All right, so did one beget the other no pressure on Daniel Jones him getting out then again to your point we talked about it going into Sam Howell had one career start going into that game and you're going against a gauntlet that included Daniel Jones now you get Dak Prescott you get Brock Purdy Joe Burrow Matthew Stafford Geno Smith Lamar Jackson Deshaun Watson there's a lot of Pro Bowls there's a lot of highly paid quarterbacks in that
3: group yeah I mean I think part of a the issue was a lot of the the stuff was off of play action. I mean, you're not gonna get a lot of play uh, a lot of pressure off of play action. Um, you know, first down, they come out of halftime and take a shot. I mean, you're not thinking that. You know, as a defensive necessarily, you're thinking about okay, I'm about to play this run. And so, and I think on that, just re kind of rewinding in my mind, even Zavin kind of came down thinking that it was going to be some type of run play. They weren't really in pass mode up front, and that was just a big chunk they took off, and it looked like it was. Some type of miscommunication, whether the corner didn't read it right or he thought a safety was going to be deeper for him. They didn't play it right, and they take a shot. And so once that happens, now you're playing catch-up, I think, at that point. And then they were able to run the ball a little bit with Saquon. They had a lot of zone reads where the linebackers coming out and, and dinking it, dinking it, and then here comes another shot behind it. And so they just never could get in a really good rhythm where they had them third and 12. Oh, I'm pinning my ears back, and I really know what's coming on. And to your point, they did wear out those ends. I mean, the the, the Giants' offensive line was physical. They was knocking the, the tackles back in the run game and really playing some physical caliber football, and I, I think it did wear on them by the end of the game.
2: Total yards doesn't always tell the story, but it did tell the story of this game. In the first half, Cardinals outgained the Giants 241-81, to and there you have that 20-point lead. Second half, Giants 358 yards in the second half alone. Cardinals just 138, and the Cardinals get outscored 31 to eight on the scoreboard. Jonathan Gannon on what he saw in those two halves. Tale of two halves, and we got to coach and play better. You know, in the second half we had a lead and we lost the lead and didn't do enough to win the game. All three phases goes into that, and complementary football goes into that, and um, our guys know what we got to get done and improve that quickly if we think we're going to close out leads and, and get some wins here. Even how that third quarter started, Paul, the long pass play to Hyatt and the touchdown, the Cardinals responded on offense. And it just was after that, five minutes into the third quarter, there was no more response from the offense or the defense. So they come out, they hit the big 58-yarder, they
4: score in three plays, and I'll admit, yeah, my box has started to bunge a little bit, but the Cardinals answer, they go down the field, right? They formulate that uh, touchdown drive, and you're like, all right, they answered, 28-7. There might have been a little lull coming out of the locker room, but uh, they no. Next three possessions, they netted 29 yards on offense, the Cardinals. I firmly think the Giants, not only did they probably just get screamed at by Dable at halftime, but... I think midway through the third quarter at 28-7, they realized, oh my goodness, we're 0-1. We're looking at 0-2, and we've got a Thursday night game at San Francisco. We're looking at 0-3 if we don't pick it up right now. So whereas the Cardinals' intensity may have waned maybe in the second half, I just think the Giants ratcheted up the urgency that much more, and then combined with everything that Zoe just explained, the X's and O's, and you're right, the analytics say that almost all those chunk plays came on play action. Right. Really effective. Cardinals did not have an answer for that.
3: Right, and and it's really hard to get um, pressure off of that. And I would say the Cardinals' offense, I mean, they came out physical. James Conner in the second half, when they pounded that ball all the way down, it was a physical series. And then they got away from that a little bit with some negative plays, some pre-snap penalties, Things that put them behind the sticks where they had opportunities to maybe convert on a third and five and six, and it ended up being third and 15, third and 16. And again, when you're, when you're just trying to figure out who you are, maybe you're not as talented as you would like to be, you cannot beat yourself in this league because it's already hard enough to win.
2: Cardinals played behind the sticks a lot in that second half. In fact, of the 10 third down opportunities the Cardinals had in that game, five of them, Zoe, were third and ten or more. And that's been an issue the past two weeks. This Cardinals team is one of 11 on third and ten or more. That's that's not doable for any offense.
3: No, and but that's about what the statistics say. Maybe you convert maybe one or two extra more if you have Pat Mahomes or somebody like that back there quarterback, and, and that's why you first and second down are so important. If you want to be able to win games, if you want to be able to extend drives, you have to play um, smart football. Obviously running the ball like they did in that one drive, staying ahead, the and then not beat yourself up by jumping off sides – and then knocking taking that stuff back. And so that's where it, where it comes down to cuz some some of this stuff is just them inflicting self wounds and and you it's hard to get off the field. You don't have most OCs don't have a play for a third and 12 or third and 15. You're going to it's going to be draw, screen. The defense is going to make you check it down, and they're going to come and tackle. And so you have to be disciplined. It has to be consistently throughout four quarters as well.
2: You brought up James Conner earlier in your discussion about what the offense was doing well. In the first half, Connor had 50 rushing yards. On that scoring drive in the third quarter, he had 53 rushing yards. Finished with a buck six. Not quite good enough. James Connor, on what wasn't going right in the second half on Sunday.
3: Just execution, you know, a line, setting the tones up front. You know, and that's just executing. You know, that's why it's a 60-minute ball game. You know, it doesn't matter what happens in the first half or the first three quarters or even the fourth quarter. You know, until the clock says zero, you got you got to give it everything you got, and uh, you know they just outplayed us today.
2: Execution and not hurting yourself, Paul. Because again, you go back to the penalties and the number of false starts and playing behind the sticks, and that's what the Cardinals were looking at in the second half. Yeah, you ask yourself how, why, what happened to the Cardinals' offense. You mentioned
4: that on the touchdown drive in the second half to make it 28-7, they went eight plays, 75 yards. 53 of those were rushing yards by James Conner on five carries. And then his final five carries basically went nowhere, netted nothing. And from the sideline, just and I noticed this in the fourth quarter, I said, you know what, they've gone from that too high safety look the Washington yeah. use, and now it's one high safety, yep. and they put an extra man in the box. <laughs> so, Zoe, you tell me in yeah. an ideal world, how should the Cardinals have made them pay? Obviously, they didn't what should have been the strategy once you see it's a single high and that extra guy's in the box?
3: Yeah, some play action, and they did some of that stuff. I mean, they had a nice play action boot, like tight end screen to Ertz. I mean, in the second half, they, they were trying to do it, but what happened was they couldn't consistently keep a drive together in order to finish it off and, and create some points. It was either a penalty, somebody holding, somebody jumping off sides that at some point stalled that drive out. And that's why most defense, you, you defend every blade of grass, knowing that most offenses, most teams aren't disciplined enough to put a 10 and 12 play drive together. And so if you can keep things in front of you, don't have those explosion plays, most people end up biting themselves or or, or hurting themselves at some point throughout that drive. And I would also say, you mentioned this about just the Giants collectively coming out with a different mindset. Once Connor went down and drove the ball down their throats, that defense took that, that safety out, came down, and there were some guys hunting up, trying to find Connors at all costs and hit him before yeah. he got to the line of scrimmage. And they really made a shift, saying, okay, Dobbs, you're going to have to beat us.
2: And he was not able to do it for the second straight week. Again, the Cardinals go into that fourth quarter with a lead and cough up that lead for the second straight week. You bring up Joshua Dobbs, 228 yards through the air, 21-31, of pretty good. But, again, on the wrong end of that outcome, here is the Cardinals' starting quarterback.
0: Every loss stinks, quite frankly. Obviously, you know, when you're up and you feel like you have the game in control and they come back, um, that's tough. But no matter how you cut it, like a loss, loss stinks. You put in, we put in a lot of time, effort throughout the week, and our preparation, um, getting ready for Sundays, mental, physical, everything, right? And so when you come out, you know, you play well, but you feel like you should have won and you don't win, you know, it, it never feels good.
2: Go back to how I started this show, Zoe, and that's, again, not finishing. The Cardinals in the fourth quarter now of two games outscored 27 to nothing. Now, whether that is talent, the other team, mistakes, that's just not winning football, to borrow a phrase from Jonathan Gannon.
3: Right, yeah. I mean, it it's hard to win this league. And so, again, it comes back to discipline, um, execution, real – Simple terms, right? There's no magical thing that they're going to go in and do this week. It's just all about every man being disciplined, locking in, and doing your job every single play. If you just do that, the bare minimum, and this is why people always look up and say, "Man, how does a guy like Dennis Gardeck play for so long?" And he's undrafted. He does his job and plays hard every single play. If you could, if you could put that in a bottle, right, and give that to everybody and have them drink that Dennis Gardeck juice, right, you would win. A ton of football games, and that and that's why coaches harp so much on culture, discipline, accountability, because they understand that is the key that opens up the door to a lot of wins, right? And then talent supercharges that and takes you to another level and makes you a perennial playoff team and hope, uh, Super Bowl hopeful, but at the foundation... You have to be accountable. You have to be disciplined. You have to execute under pressure, and you have to play this game hard, and you have to do it for four quarters, regardless of what the scoreboard looks like.
4: In fact, after the game, I asked Jonathan Gannon, post-game radio interview, was there a lesson learned for the rookies, the young guys? And then after the game, you you heard Kaiser White, you heard Jalen Thompson, Victor he all say one way or the other, either we took our foot off the gas or there was a letdown. Look, just because you're close on the scoreboard does not mean you're close to being a winning team in the win-loss standings. Houston Texans played a ton of close games, one score games last year. They won one and lost like ten of them. So you
2: got to figure out the way to win the close games. That's life in the NFL. Cardinals 0-2, two losses by a combined seven points as they are now staring at the Dallas Cowboys coming up on Sunday we'll get into the Dallas matchup a little bit later on but first things first the defense not only on the field a lot but losing players left and right we'll get into that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network
1: five steps deep drop Jones steps up runs and sacks at the 43 Dennis Bardek one of the most improved players in the NFL the last few years. This guy continues to make plays. Dennis Garback. simply will not stop. Shotgun snap to Daniel Jones. Three-step drop, fires near side. And it's picked off by Dalen Thompson at the 40. Running back the other way at the 50, at the 40-yard line, at the 30, and out of bounds. Another takeaway for the Cardinal defense. Jones has the ball. Short set in trouble. Steps up and takes a sack at the 40-yard line. Zayvon Collins with the takedown.
2: Three sacks, one takeaway. Cardinals defense did that. mainly in the first half, though. There was that Kaiser White sack in the third quarter. That was kind of overshadowed by the Dante Stills unnecessary roughness call on that play, on that drive. So, yeah, Cardinals defense did enough, just did not get that extra stop, another stop in the second half, and the Cardinals lose to the Giants on Sunday, 31-28. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Lorenzo Alexander, and Paul Calvisi putting the spotlight, though, on the defense at what we've seen through two games. Cardinals plus two in the turnover margin, yet 0-2 on the scoreboard, <laughs> but the defense is doing just enough and continues to play with some physicality right. that certainly was not always there in years past.
3: Yeah, and I like it. I like the front seven. I like um, uh, Zaire White up front, uh, the way he's been running around, hitting cats. I thought the DBs played really physical in that first game. Um, Zavin as well. Uh, Dennis Gardeck is, I know I know. said, the most improved player, you know, kind of in our in – our, um, reentry to the show, but he's just getting an opportunity finally, you know, to be out there every single snap, doesn't have to worry about special teams. I was talking to him a little bit last week. He was like, man, Zoe, I just feel a little awkward because I don't have to worry about all the teams, right, because that's how we came into the league. And so he feels uh, that he's kind of leaving something on the table, but it's allowing him to go out there, fly around with that same mentality uh, and just hit guys, whether he's getting sacks, whether he's pushing Zavin over to get to the ball, um, you just love that energy and you have to play up to a guy standard like that. And He's one of the Bellcats that I really love seeing out there fly around. They just have to figure out a way to prevent chunk plays that's going to allow them to stay in the game, keep the ball in front of them. And if there is one, you got to go up there and compete for the ball. I think that was maybe one of the areas what I didn't like as much as a guy was going up. You got to compete for the ball and, and take guys to the ground and try to jar that thing out um, at the and finish plays off. And that's probably one area where they can really work as well as getting some additional turnovers because the way this team's playing is just not explosive enough. So you got to give your offense more opportunities.
4: And We talk about where the Giants had success, especially in that second half, the play action, obviously. They also seem to target Marco Wilson. Yeah. They didn't hesitate to go after number 20. And so I wonder now, especially – Jalen Thompson is your best nickel guy, but you don't have Buda Baker for the next four weeks. How does that shuffle in as maybe Antonio Hamilton come into the nickel? Maybe Antonio Hamilton sees a little bit of time outside. I don't know. I'm really curious if there are personnel changes or adjustments and coverages based on the first two weeks. The
2: first, or I should say on Sunday, there was a lot of 5-DB looks and whether that was – that was actually mainly two corners with three safeties. But now all of a sudden you're down to safety in Buda Baker. What do you do if you're a defensive coordinator, Nick Rollis? Speaking, by the way, of Buda Baker, we knew that he was hurt. That happened on Friday. Hurt his hamstring, inactive for the game on Sunday. So you knew it was serious. And then it became real serious on Monday when Baker was placed on injured reserve. Here's the head coach, Jonathan Gannon. He's going to miss some time, um, but he'll be back. So i uh, put him on IR today, but uh, he'll get ready to go here pretty soon and be ready to roll. So not season ending, that's the good news, but he is going to miss the next four games. So this past Sunday does not count as far as one of the four that he misses. Here's my question. How much do you think they miss Buda Baker
4: in that second half? Lorenzo Alexander I oh, put yeah. it to you right is the outcome different if Buda Baker is on that field do they use Buddha Baker as a spy at times on Daniel Jones when he got his own run game going does is he able to bring down Saquon Barkley whereas Saquon Barkley in a couple of those key big runs in the fourth quarter was breaking arm tackles is right. it different with Buddha out
3: there I think it's different from the standard right He's a playmaker, but more so he's a leader of men. and So I think he's able to get guys refocused and and galvanized and locked back in at at the job at hand. Um, And I don't know which play he would have made, but he would have made some plays, especially on the back end when you think about communication and making sure guys are on the same page. A lot of times that falls on the safety to make sure the calls is echoed, everybody's on the same page. And if they did have some mishaps, you go to the sideline, he's a leader to aid. What's the issue? Let's get this thing straightened out. So maybe instead of three or four big plays, you only have one big play. And that's the little things that you miss outside of the playmaking ability of Buda Baker that, that this team is going to miss out on. Well,
2: you're going to miss him for the next four weeks. And again, five total games the Cardinals will not play with Buda Baker this season. At least five games. Buda Baker's only missed five games in his first six seasons of his career. So this, oh boy. Is, this is a big time loss for the Cardinals, not only the defense, but the team overall. More from Gannon on what you do without number three on the field. We all got to rally around. You're never going to you know, replace a Buda Baker, but we got guys that we feel comfortable getting the job done, playing winning football for us. So, you know, everyone's just got to do their job and we'll be okay. Cardinals did feel Baker's roster spot with Quantrez Knight. Signed off the 49ers practice squad. Spent his rookie season a year ago on the 49ers practice squad. Good size, six feet, undrafted free agent out of UCLA, so he comes in. But to make matters worse, Paul, is not only are you out with Buda Baker, but LJ Collier on IR. Don't know about Carlos Watkins. He himself is dealing with a biceps injury. Lucky Fotu did not play on Sunday. You had four defensive starters from week one that missed week two your most important player
4: maybe on either side of the ball was out in buda baker and then your thinnest position room d line was hit the hardest so it was a bad combination there's no doubt and over the years the few times that buda baker has not been on the field the outcome has not been kind to the arizona (laughs) cardinals (laughs) right so it just has not looked the same it's i would equate it to like a couple years ago With Rodney Hudson and without Rodney Hudson. Oh, I'm not sure I could have exactly explained, but just the before and after, just the eyeball test, the offense looked totally different with and without Rodney Hudson. It's the same to me on defense, minus Buda Baker.
3: Right, because Rodney Hudson was calling out the mic and setting the protections and doing a lot of that uh, mental work before the snap even occurred to make sure that everybody was on the same page. And that's what Buda Baker and the safeties typically do. And so they're going to have to put some extra time in this week, um, right? The the standard, you know, whatever, six to three, I don't know what time they leave here normally. They're going to have to put some additional time together watching film this week, the whole entire back end. First of all, it's already been an issue in the first two games as far as receivers running free or people not be on the same page as far as my leverage, who has him, and so – just to clean that up, right, takes additional work because something is going on in the course of a game that just the starters weren't even getting. And now you're you're inserting some guys that with less playing time, maybe unfamiliar with the system and the players here. And so you need to to meet. Come in early, stay a little bit later, stay on the field, get a couple of practice squad guys. These are the routes they like to run. This is the check I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you this look, right? This is what Hall of Fame caliber players do when you want to be great. And so these guys need to be able to do this stuff too. When you're coming in, you have to put in the additional work in order to give yourself a chance to win, especially when it's been a problem. So these guys need to be putting in the extra work, watching film together and then on the field and communicating over communicating, because that's, that's typically what gets you be. Oh, I thought you were. Oh, I thought, Oh, talk, right? (laughs) Talk. If you go into a locker room right now, Pretty sure the music is blasting, guys talking, doing everything. Instagram, you know, they it's great communication. You got to be able to take that from the locker room to the field, so it's not oh uh, talk to each other.
2: Does this put more pressure on the outside linebackers, as Avon Collins and Dennis Gardeck, to be able to affect the quarterback to help the back end? Because we yeah. already uh, the defensive line is already decimated, but someone on that front seven has got to be able to get home.
3: Well, it starts on first and second down and stopping the run first. You got, you have to be able to stop the Dallas Cowboys' rushing attack this week first before you think about pinning your ears back and try to do anything. Because if you don't do that, then they have access to every single thing, play action, regular run, drop back pass. you just never on kilter. So um, whoever's the D tackles, whoever that is, you have to do your job, be in your gap. Saw a little bit of that jumping in and out. That's why Saquon was able to bounce some of those runs. Do your job first put them in the passing situations, and then allow the outside Zavin, Obviously, Dennis, what he's been able to do to get after Victor. They have some guys that can get after the the quarterback and make him feel uneasy, but they have to win on first and second down and put them behind the sticks so that you can pin your ears back and play fast football.
4: So week one, they did a pretty good job of taking away Terry McLaurin, right? He didn't wreck that game. He had the big pass interference, 37 yards or so, but – yeah. Talking to guys afterwards, Nick Rollis and Jonathan Gannon were hellbent on making sure Terry McLaurin was taken care of. I think they do the same this week with CeeDee Lamb because his receiving numbers versus everybody else combined in that receiver room, there's one threat in the past game. It's CeeDee Lamb, so you make sure he doesn't he doesn't kill you. Then to Lorenzo's point, okay, what do you do against Tony Pollard? And with your D-line depth being what it is, and I don't know what your options are exactly right now. I mean, you were playing a practice squad guy and a six round rookie making his NFL debut. They're already getting a ton of snaps. I don't know where else you go if you're Nick Rollis, but you got to figure that out, especially since you got a front that uses a lot of three down linemen, a lot of th- three down linemen sets. And so that whole rotation was definitely compromised in the second half.
2: Easier said than done. Looking at that cowboy, <clears throat> excuse me, that Cowboys offense, they rely basically on two individuals, not named Dak Prescott. You Brent, brought them both up, C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard. That is a one-two punch, and they've been basically got nothing out of anyone. They're not even asking yeah. Dak to do a whole heck of a lot. He's got. Two touchdowns and no interceptions. Michael Gallup
4: has two catches in two games. He's been a complete non-factor. Michael right. Gallup, who you would think, I mean, there, there's an effective, proven NFL right. receiver.
3: Yeah, I mean, Dallas's best offense has been their defense at the end of the day. That's their yeah. best offensive player right yeah. now, with the given short fields and the way they just dominate and creating turnovers.
2: Cardinals and Cowboys coming up on Sunday. Single game tickets on sale right now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats when we come back. The running game. James Conner is specifically how successful he was, at least for a half, on Sunday. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Conner off the left side, got a crease, 30, 35, 40. Conner, 45, and finally pushed out of bounds in the 47th. Gives to Connor off right tackle to the 20, cut back left side 15-10, spins out of a tackle there, threw an arm tackle at the five, and down to the four. 21-yard gain, James Connor calling for the crowd to celebrate his physicality. Fee-fi-fo-fum, <laughs> said James Connor. Give to Connor off to the left side and into the end zone for the first offensive touchdown of 2023 for the Arizona Cardinals flat shovel flat face handed off to James Conner let him find the light and that's what he did
2: 23 total carries for James Conner 106 yards and a touchdown second time Conner has gone over 100 yards in his Cardinals career unfortunately though it did come in a loss on Sunday 31 to 28 as we say welcome back It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Lorenzo Alexander, and Paul Calvisi talking about the ground game on Sunday, which means specifically Paul talking about the ground game of James Conner. 23 carries. I liked it because it was almost 10 more than he had in week one. You're relying on your ground game to help set up the play action and the passing game. So yeah. Run James Conner as much as possible. It was successful early, not so late, though.
4: So guys normally feed off James Conner. The great part of this game was he started to feed off his quarterback, Josh Dobbs, and what he did at the (laughs) goal line. I saw it. It was on the side. Nobody was more fired up than Dobbs except for James Conner witnessing that touchdown run. He's on the sideline. He's doing the flex. He's pointing to the bicep. Then he pointed to his head, James Conner, and he yelled out, it's a mindset. It's a mindset, that physicality. Almost like, I've been preaching this the last couple of years, now finally the rest of the guys are on board. Everyone's matching my intensity, my physicality. James Conner, who ran in that game like, he's telling the Giants defense, you're not the boss of me. That arm tackle ain't going to work. I'm not going down on first contact. And you know how much the offensive line loves that when they make the O-line look good because, you know, just some guy gets in with an ankle tackle and all of a sudden you have a negative run. The offensive linemen take the yards per carry figure. They take that very seriously. And James Conner makes those guys look
2: good. Offensive line, there was a lot of tight end blocking. We saw a lot of three tight end sets. But you're getting use out of a tight end, whether that's on the line of scrimmage or maybe even in the backfield, i.e. a Trey McBride as a fullback, maybe a little Jesse Lucchetta as well in there. But I like what I've seen out of this running game, especially on Sunday.
3: Yeah, it was physical. Like I said, when they came out in that third quarter to respond to the touchdown of the Giants in that opening drive, it was counter tray, physical, downhill, outside zone, knocking people physically off the ball. And you see James Con- Connor hitting the hole, getting out, bursting, separating, and, and 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 making some significant plays, some explosive plays in the run game. And so th- th- that doesn't surprise me. That's who he is. That's how he does it. And I think to the aggression piece, right, when you have those that mentality, you still have to be able to execute consistently throughout uh, the game. And I think sometimes you get so amped up. Like, everybody can't do this. Everybody can't get amped up to 100 like James because sometimes you start missing stuff, right? <laughs> you start, oh, I'm amped up. Oh, I missed my block. Oh, man, I was flying, though. So that's where they have to get to because they got to be able to close this game out, right? What they did in the third quarter, they got to be able to do that in the fourth quarter and find maybe another drive or two to be able to do that same exact thing in the great running teams, even when they know we're about to run the ball, we still getting four or five a pop, right? And they have that ability cuz you could see it. But they went to they made an adjustment and they weren't able to continue that. And that's what I want to see them take the next step because we know they have it in them.
2: Gains of 22, 10, and 21 yards on the ground on that scoring drive in the third quarter. James Conner almost did it all on that specific drive, and it is someone that this offensive line loves to block for. Paul had a chance post-game to speak with center Yelda Froholt on James Conner and his running ability. James, you know, running like a madman. So. Um, when you have an electric guy like james you know uh, be able to find him the ball and, and get him to give him chances and I think every chance he got he you know he made something out of it he's an angry man who he has that ball in his hands and uh, we're, i'm happy that he's uh, he's on our sideline question though is and i Don't have that question, Paul, is because I did like the 23 touches, but it was whomever else was coming in after him. And we saw it in week one that there is no one that at least I don't trust running the football effectively like a James Conner. Now, how many teams have that? But if you want to keep Conner fresh for the long term, you're going to need someone to kind of spell him and be successful when Conner's on the sideline and someone else is running the ball.
4: There's no doubt. The game plan was much more north-south than it was week one, where it was more east-west. Okay, Talking to some of the coaches, I can confirm as much that, indeed, as we speculated in Washington, the game plan was let's try and go sideline to sideline, wear out those front four defensive linemen, all those first-round picks. Now this game, it was much more north-south. We saw that his first carry went for 17 yards. Now he bounced it outside, scooted up the sideline, but they ended up riding James Conner maybe a little bit more than they wanted. I know Drew Petzing just made mention of that moments ago. But when you got a hot hand like James Conner, you keep feeding him. It would be nice, though, because so far we've seen a significant drop-off. There's James Conner, the running back position, and everyone else. It would be nice to have that secondary guy for a 1-2 punch in the backfield.
2: Keonta Ingram. Mari De Mercado, who is going to be that guy in the room, but yeah, it was a good day for James Conner, but it comes comes in a loss. So Conner, post game, not ready to be too happy.
3: It's hard to say I'm happy right now. You know, I'm really sick to my stomach. I'm hurt. I'm not discouraged, but I'm hurt for sure. Um, you know, we in this thing together. So uh, you know, offense put a couple more points up than we did last week. Uh, still wasn't enough. You know, uh, didn't complete the mission.
2: And that's what you like to hear, Zoe, from a right. not only a player but a star player on your team that, yeah, individual stats are nice, but winning is even better because you can enjoy how well you played.
3: Right, because even as well as he played, he knows in his mind there will still meet on that bone uh, between him and his offensive line as far as being able to close that game out. Those are the type of games, hey, man, we up, man. Give me the rock, right, so we can run this clock out, grind them like we did in that first drive of the third quarter. And we, if we can maintain that, then we know we can win. And so knowing James, knowing how hard he plays, knowing how much he loves this game, right, he's never going to be satisfied no matter what he does, especially when it's in a loss.
4: Look, we can all be Tuesday morning quarterbacks, but what the Giants did to the Cardinals in that second half, especially the fourth quarter with the play action, using Saquon Barkley so effectively for the chunk throws downfield, Do you think in hindsight the Cardinals could have done more of that, especially after the Giants brought that safety down into the box?
3: I I think they could have potentially, but they still were in position to win the game. They had too many mental mistakes, especially the pre snap jumping off sides that were in critical third downs. I, I, I think they went, I don't know if they converted a third down to second, maybe one or two. They had an opportunity to convert a couple of more that would extended some drives. Maybe it leads to a field goal or two, but you can't beat yourself. So I don't. I'm not going to question the play calling because they were in position. It was a lack of execution or a lack of discipline as far as staying on sides, not putting your team third and 15, third and sixteen you're not, you're not going to convert too many of those type of plays. True. Just,
2: just one of four on third down yeah. in the second half versus three of six in the – or I should say in the second half versus three of six in the first half. But going back to the execution and maybe how much is still completely not on the plates of Josh Dobbs, still kind of brand new to town, to the offense, right. to his teammates. We talked in the break about that. Chunk throw to Zach Ertz that was just a little bit too far. That's a yeah. pass, though, I think gets completed if Dobbs is here, training camp, offseason, and has those daily reps.
3: Yeah, we definitely saw the improvement from Dobbs from week one to week two. Um, Being able to spread the ball down, get to push the ball down the field. And he might have just been so amped up, he just overshot him too, right? Because you work on those things, as we talked about, all week. It's going to be there. Oh, it's there. Ah, just airmail a little bit. Um, and he's unable to make the catch. So I think Dobbs will continue to grow, continue to get comfortable, continue to uh, make some plays, and, and, and they're go- going in the right direction. They're trending in the right direction. They just want to get some of these close wins at the end, right? And I know people worried about next year, but as a player, when you're in that locker room, you're trying to figure out ways to get W's, and you can see it developing. They just haven't figured out how to close the deal yet, and that's a lot of young players, a lot of new players, trying to figure out this new culture, coaching, all of that is, is, is headed in the right place. Now, they're going to have to figure it out, though, because we got these Dallas Cowboys coming in here that are, that are humming right now. And it's going to be really interesting from an offensive perspective, how do they tack this defensive line, right? Because this defense is better than Washington's.
4: No doubt. Look, he called it. Josh Dobbs said he would be that much better in his second start. Yeah. He said he expected a huge jump out of himself in the offense. He did it the year before, week 17 to 18. His completion percentage, his passer rating was a lot better in his second start versus his, his first start last year. So there was precedent for that. Question is now, he's going to get three starts in a row, something he's never done in his oh, career. Wow. So how much more upside is there? How much more improvement can he make in that ceiling? And I'd love to see, we'll get into this, more of that run game with Josh Dobbs, because even the two-point conversion on the quarterback power, that was effective.
2: 23-yard touchdown run by Dobbs. He's your second-best running back, at least right now, on the team. We continue to look ahead. Cowboys coming up on Sunday. What to expect from perhaps the best team in the league. That's ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Prescott in the gun. Back is on his left. Snap goes back. Looking to his left. Looking, looking. Checks it Down. Ferguson at the one, leans over the pylon, touchdown. First and goal at the one, straight eye formation, play fake, looking right, left, throws it in the end zone, caught. This
2: is the first professional catch and touchdown for Luke Schoonmaker. Two touchdown passes against the Jets. The first two touchdown passes of the season for Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Brad Sham on the Cowboys radio network as the Cowboys on Sunday grounded the Jets 30-10. Cowboys 2-0. They have outscored their first two opponents by the score of 70-10. Of course, they blanked the Giants week one 40 to nothing but yeah Dak Prescott Tony Pollard CeeDee Lamb I though want to talk about perhaps the best defensive player in the game in Micah Parsons who single-handedly has wrecked two teams in two weeks
3: yeah I don't even know what to say about him I mean he's I mean he's another version of Aaron Donald I mean you know they call him a linebacker but he's a defensive end he'll line up inside outside he plays hard Plays the run. Um, he's just so dynamic and athletic, big, fast, physical. It's not. It, it, it. I mean, he is what he is. He's he's everything that he's made up to be. And the great thing, well, not for us this week, the great thing for him is is that he's also playing with a lot of great talent around him. So it's hard to just focus on him the whole game, right? And he move. They move him around. They try to find the fish, which is typically the weakest offensive lineman, and they'll put him over there, left side, right side. Obviously, you got DeMarcus Lawrence on the other side. Then you have two shutdown corners, and so it's hard to get the ball out of your hands as quick as you want to. Um, And so he's in a great situation right now, and uh, obviously that defensive collectively – the way they're playing, um, it's going to be a tall task uh, this week for this Arizona Cardinals offense.
4: That's a great point about that Dallas depth. Uh, It's one of the reasons Carlos Watkins wanted to come to the Cardinals because he was buried in that depth chart. They are really loaded along that defensive front. Got to love the confidence of Micah Parsons after that opening jack-stomping 40-0 to the Giants. He went and told the media. I think we made the statement, which I've been trying to make, quote, were the best defense in the National Football League. He said that throughout the month of August. And then after this last game against the uh, Jets, where he had two sacks, four quarterback hits, he had four tackles, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. The question from the NFL Network on the field after the game, when did you know, Micah, you were going to take over this game? And he stared at the reporter and he said, Monday. (laughs) <laughs> so he's like a modern day lt uh, you watch the highlights he is yeah. that dominant yeah i mean he, he, he i watch him i'm scared for offensive linemen just watching him on film
3: right you almost want to run at a guy like that double team him and just try to pound him and run at him you don't want to run away from him because he can He has the speed to track it down um but you're gonna have to chip him a lot Uh, obviously double team him and just try to wear him out. And this is why the run game is so important this week because you have to be able to have play action pass. If the Cardinals line up and try to go scat protection because they have to because it's third and 15 and everybody in the building knows that they're passing the ball, it is going to be the longest day ever. I mean, and I'm all serious. That's how good this defense defense is, especially Micah Parsons. So first and second down is – so significant, getting James Connors going early, being able to play action off of that to slow this defense down a little bit and try to find some things in in the play-action game.
2: One more note on Micah Parsons. Peter King, in this week's Football Morning in America column, wrote this, Micah Parsons is the closest thing I've seen to Lawrence Taylor in terms of being able to collapse the pocket with a bull rush and turnstile a tackle with
3: unblockable speed. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's true. And it's not like hyperbole. It's not like you're just saying that and, and don't really mean it because this is what you're watching today. He he is all of that, and just, it's just a dynamic player.
4: So 10 sacks as this defense, seven takeaways in two games, and they're already the first defense to lead the NFL in takeaways two consecutive years since the 1970s. So you have a lot of historically good defense and defensive players on this Dallas unit.
2: For Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs, yeah, pay attention to where number 11 is lining up on the other side, but more so than that, just making sure that after a tough loss on Sunday, this team does not splinter apart.
0: got to stick together, we got to figure out ways to continue to get better, we got to continue to dig into you know, our playbooks, dig into our preparation, finding ways to improve our bodies so that we're able to come out and get the job done next Sunday.
2: Again, looking at this Cowboys defense, it is the number one defense in the league, ranking first in 11 different categories and they back it up with an offense that is not as good but is doing very very well especially running the football and they are this is a big year though for the Cowboys I mean every year it's is a big year for the <laughs> yes, Cowboys right, but there's right. been a lot of pressure right. on Mike McCarthy and now he's taking over play calling and people are going wow okay this looks pretty good from an offensive standpoint yeah
3: yes it looks pretty good given that his defense is historically great right now right and so i think it's always easy to call plays when you have seven turnovers you got michael parsons you got to shut down right and you don't have any pressure on you as of in the first two games to have to call and dial up things and execute under pressure not to say that they don't look better but that just says they haven't had any adversity real adversity on offense to really have to lean in on that so you know, I'm not a big Stephen A. Smith fan, but you, I, I'm just wait. Just wait, right? It's this, it's only two weeks. It's a long season, right? And to see if this defense can hold up, if they can be as great as they say, because they're great every year, right? But somebody's going to punch him in the mouth, and then we'll get to see how great Dak and Mike McCarthy is and the weapons that they have. Well, that
4: Dallas offense had to settle for five field goals, right? Four were in the red zone in this last game. Could have been a lot worse than 30-10. to 10. Here's two hot takes, though, speaking of Stephen A. Number one, they let Kellen Moore go, and they gave the play-calling duties to Mike McCarthy because if things don't work, then guess what? Gone. He's culpable. <laughs> yeah. Why did they pull Dan Quinn back, right. especially from the Cardinals' interview? Yeah. And make him an offer he couldn't refuse to stay. And then your really hot take, you need the oven mitts, is Deion Sanders is out there and there's already speculation, Jerry loves himself some Dion, and that might be a something he could not resist as a head coach.
2: That would be interesting, Deion Sanders and Jerry Jones working together as coach and owner as opposed to player and owner. Yep. Cardinals and Cowboys coming up on Sunday. 125 is the kickoff from State Farm Stadium. 830 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Special thanks. Those behind the scenes, Jim Momohundro, Cody Fincher, Lauren Koval, for Lorenzo Alexander, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Rayalu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
0: You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Zach! Buda Baker with the sack. strip the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown.
0: Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com app.
1: Touchdown. Cardinals win.
0: This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.